What's up, viewers and listeners? My name is Jay. I'm the host of the BJJ Nutrition Podcast. I'm a registered nutritionist based here in Bristol, working with clients across the globe, helping BJJ athletes and hobbyists perform to their best and stop any silly weight cutting strategies, giving the BJJ world the nutrition advice it needs. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, if you're not subscribed, go click that subscribe button, turn notifications on for further updates. Any feedback will always be greatly appreciated. Now, we had a small human error on this podcast. I simply forgot the microphones, as you can see here. So apologize for the echo. It won't be happening again. Thank you for your precious time. Let's get stuck into episode two, the Italian who has never made pizza. Oos. <laughs> See my kids okay so far. So, um, guys, obviously, thanks for tuning in. We're on episode two of the BJJ Nutrition Podcast. Uh, my name is Jay. I'm hosting obviously this podcast. Uh, we have our guest today, Rich Rubino, um, who well, I'll let him introduce obviously the whole school and stuff. But uh, again, we're here to understand obviously his experiences and what he's done in terms of uh, competing. Uh, so obviously, some ju- nutrition regarding nutrition, uh, nutrition regarding jujitsu, uh, and obviously anything else that comes out will work from there. So. Uh, Rich, do you want to introduce yourself and sort of your lineage and background here? So uh, I'm Rich Rubino, I'm a black belt under Pedro Bessa. I'm a black belt for four years, been training I think about 12 years in total. Um, yeah, so I've done all my, all my training, all my belts under Pedro. I started with a little bit of MMA, um, really enjoyed the ground element of it, so I wanted to train specifically under a jiu-jitsu school, you know, the belt system, the gi they do, obviously it was all no-gi, obviously the MMA club. Yep. I wanted to do the gi, the traditional system, I like the hierarchy, I like the belt structure. I looked into who was teaching jiu-jitsu in Bristol at the time. There were two schools, there was Pedro and one other. And I looked into the, I did my due diligence and Pedro was the, the most credible uh, source to learn from, I'm sure. Certainly. So I went from Pedro and Pedro's lineage comes from the famous TT Academy, um, Teles and Terere, which is like, super famous in jiu-jitsu. They've had huge influence on uh, modern jiu-jitsu still now. Um, so yeah, that's where it's my it's a brief history of my Nice. Um, you said MMA, was it a local club? Or? It was in the centre of Bristol, there was a gym called Carrefour. Carrefour. Okay, and it was the original Trojan Free Fighters. Was it? I used to train in the studio um, in Carrefour gym. Okay. <coughs> so uh, Italo, I wouldn't like, if you've done MMA or jiu-jitsu in Bristol, you've heard of Italo. You know, he taught the jiu-jitsu there. Uh, he's amazing, he's really, really good. Um, he was doing, it was like jiu-jitsu for MMA, so that's okay. why I left there to go to Pedro, nothing to do with Tyler, he was really, really cool, amazing jiu-jitsu. So I was training like weights in that gym, so I lived in town at the time, and I'd like look past and kind of like, oh you look in, look in, look in, and one day I just had the felt brave, whatever, went in, <laughs> did, did the MMA class, and then yeah, I took it from there, that's how that, that's how that began. So where did the crossover into gear happen though exactly? So obviously you started doing, you like the ground stuff, obviously in the MMA side of the thing, mm-hmm. Guessing, did they have gi classes at the there? time? No, I think they went on. I think Italian, I mean, Italian used to teach in Exeter and a few other schools, um, gi, gi classes at the time there. They didn't have a gi class, and I wanted to do the gi, like I said, I like the thought of the hierarchy and working my way up through belts, okay. And it just wasn't available there at the time, um, so I went to uh, so yeah, San Pedro. Oh, fair enough. It's, it's interesting to see that, um, within some no gi only clubs that they still do, they now do a belt system, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure I feel about Noogie belts. No, not, not a fan. I don't know. I just don't see that. I get it for like which category you have to enter in a, in a comp. Yep. 
I get it. I've seen people training no gi with belts on, which I find like super bizarre. Um, <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like you should be able to get the belt personally, and this is just from my experience in jiu-jitsu and how we trained under Pedro, you should be able to train gi and no gi to the same level to get the belts. Mm -hmm. So obviously you can have a preference, you're gonna be slightly better at one than the other, probably most people are and they're gonna slip into oh, I prefer the leg rocks or I prefer the whatever. Um but I feel like and it's probably an unpopular opinion, it's <laughs> easier to go from gi to no gi than it is to go from no gi to gi. Yeah, I could, I could probably resonate. I probably on a little bit more of a no gi streak myself at the moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even just this morning, <laughs> open that, I'm like, oh, I've got to do all these bloody There's always different grips, is that there? <laughs> and I'm not saying there's not like, no gi is incredibly skillful, not like downgrading or poo pooing no gi at all. I feel like you should be able to do both to get the belts. I don't fully understand the no gi belt system. Um, that's because I've not experienced it. Like, I came with traditional pathway through Pedro, we did gi, we did no gi, we got belts after when we were ready. So that's just from my experience. Maybe if I'd have gone to a different school, like okay. maybe maybe more modern. I guess it's more of a modern thing, just yeah. to, like the nogi only or nogi specific places. It's more of a modern thing. No. I think nogi is going through like a popularity boost at the moment so. because of the nogi um, sub only matches and a lot of pure grappling and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. doesn't seem as popular at the moment, but I think this might be a phase. Yeah, I can understand completely. I think obviously with more eyes on the sport and how ABCC are certainly like leveling up their game in terms of production and stuff mm. like this in comparison to the more traditional ways you could potentially see why it's more popular. Likewise, let's be real about the investment into buying a gear. Obviously, mm. I know I'm still <laughs> ongoing joke that I've probably got every type of gear going from GB to RGA to Tommy <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, and it can be quite costly in comparison to buying, well, just shirt do you know what I mean yeah. and then, or even t-shirt and shorts type stuff so it's uh, be that involved with it it's, it's a clearance item it's a tummy they're very cheap <laughs> excellent quality <laughs> can't forget the infamous plug in there which is good um I'm interested to pick a little bit on this little detail with your previous history um and the idea being obviously some of the guys that I've worked with here at the club um so far all have a very good level of knowledge they have a very good sort of standard in terms of their training in terms of their lifestyle and stuff like that and obviously it will drip feed down obviously from yourself um obviously you've done a lot of training in the past obviously quite a big guy as it is very muscular guy you obviously did a bit of bodybuilding i presume before the whole mma stuff and everything yeah, yeah. so i'd say i trained like a bodybuilder i would say i was a bodybuilder because i never competed and I feel like that's false valor saying I was a bodybuilder and I yeah. never actually competed. You've ruined all my questions. I can say, Rich, have you got your Miami Pro card? That's what I want to find out. So I did, I remember doing a diet for the Nabba West Britain, which is quite like a popular. Oh, that's still going. Yeah, exactly. It's been popular for years and years and years. I was working two jobs at the time and I didn't do the. I loved the training, and I, but I didn't take. I wouldn't say I didn't take the nutrition side of it or the diet of it seriously enough. I, sh I should have got. When you have to get that dialed in, that that lean, yeah. you should have got a coach or a, whatever they called it at the time. Yeah. Or what, I, I should have. The biggest guy in the gym at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a few guys in Bristol that were really like hot on the nutrition side of it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a few a few guys. I should have gone to one of them. I was a little bit, I was quite young, probably quite arrogant about it. I was like, oh, I've watched Battle for the Olympia. I can, uh, I'll do what Jim Cutler did or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, stupid. Um, so I got maybe like four or six weeks out and I was huge but I was like nowhere I was probably like I saw a guy who'd done a lot a lot of shows a guy called um, Gary Farr yeah it's Gary Farr and he was like mate you look massive but you're about two weeks behind on your diet 
like I need to do this, I need to do that. And I was working two jobs at the time. And I was like, I just don't, I just haven't, I just haven't, I haven't got it in me at the moment to, to do it. So that's when I just, so from doing that, uh, I tried to do the funk for prep. When I decided I'm never going to do a bodybuilding comp, that's when I'm like, I've got to find another hobby, I've got to find something else to put my energy into. Interesting, yeah. But a weight training for a bodybuilding, it was good from the discipline element of it. Yeah. Very, very disciplined. And I was disciplined with my diet with regards to trying to bulk and whatever else. But um, obviously, it's incredibly different to what I'm doing with jiu-jitsu. But the bodybuilding, I guess it just like gave me the, the discipline and a certain amount of like strength, which I took into jiu-jitsu, which isn't always necessarily the best. I was going to say, it's quite interesting at the moment, especially with the popularity going through the roof, you get a lot of people come from different sports into jiu-jitsu, you're getting ex-rugby player guys who, are, for whatever reason, think it's going to be easier on their joints and their, yeah. and their limbs and stuff, um, crossfitters, bodybuilders, powerlifters, all this type of stuff, and I could vouch for this in the sense of what I've done previously myself, that it comes to a point within the lifting element of it where I'm like, I'm fed up with deadlifting now. Like, yeah. I've just done too many of these for my time. I just need to go and get myself into something else all mm -hmm. of a sudden. Olympic lifting didn't really entertain me, if I'm honest. Like, I'm not interested in snatching something above my head. Um, and then obviously coming into this world, it's like, ah, okay, hold on. This is completely different. And, well, I learned very quickly you can't outstrength everyone. It has a benefit to it. You're certainly getting, like, more athletic people coming to, not mm -hmm. saying no one in the jiu-jitsu is athletic, so don't mm -hmm. that, but more of that people who have done multiple CrossFit competitions to a really high standard and can keep the pace up type of thing. So um, it's interesting to see that sort of transition happen now and more I get on the sport by that type of thing. Yeah, it was interesting. The first time I went to Pedro's, I was probably, I was just over 120 kilos and I was deadlifting like 300 kilos, whatever, right? That was kind of my weight in the yeah. wide. Just the few of us. You were what, how much you weigh now? Uh, 99. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, so quite a big difference, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was quite big, I was quite strong. I, and, um, I went to Pedro's gym, I looked around and I was like, these guys are tiny, isn't it? <laughs> it's really easy. And I remember like Rory, George Davis, Matrix, all guys probably at the time between 70 and 85 kilos. I'm like, this is going to be easy. And they all just wiped the floor of me, obviously. Like, I'd be super strong for like a minute, 96 seconds, exhaust myself. And they'd bang on, bang, trying, and they'd sit on that, whatever, did that. Not in an unkind way, like, they were all real helpful about it, you know, like, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that, like, you know, like we all do to each other, we, we tap each other and help each other. But it's very humbling, it's like, and I've like, learned really quickly, being the strongest person or biggest person in the room when you're doing jiu-jitsu is not the deal and end all. That's not gonna, that's not gonna help. <laughs> if anything, be a hindrance. I got a lot of injuries early on. Really? Yeah, I remember like, almost being in a completely straight arm bar and just <laughs> bicep curling the guy out. That was Matrix as well. And uh, <laughs> bicep curling, we still laugh at it now when I see it. But I could train for like two weeks. So I'd like strained every fibre in my bicep, bicep curl, oh. a fully grown man who was trying to extend my arm. And so, you know, and because everything's so, like the planes of motion in bodybuilding are so, so strict, bench pressing is strict, like yeah. military pressing is strict, everything's in a, in a straight plane. Yeah. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, nothing's in a straight plane. Everything, you're on an angle. So I was constantly hurting my rotator cuffs, my elbows, my biceps, my tri, everything all the time. So I don't necessarily think it, I think it hindered me. To an extent, where I was still, I also still wanted to be massive as well. I'm, like, I'm gonna get really good jujitsu and, and be massive. Yeah. I don't think the two things complement each other that well. So, especially at lower belts, you can use strength to bypass technique up to a point. Mm. Whether it's coming out of arm bars or, or, or whatever the situation is, you know, you can like get away with not being too good on technique. That catches up with you down the line. So, 
I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to be on the weaker end of the scale when you start jiu-jitsu you get really good technique and then really put yourself into strength and conditioning so you've already got the, the, the technique sure. like, like Leandro loaded started at lightweight or middle whatever it was real light technique's amazing as he's gone up through through the weights kept his technical ability but he had the strength and conditioning then to complement it sure Whereas I think it's harder to do that other way around because you, you can get away with more stuff no, that makes sense um, you touched obviously on Angelo, obviously moving up through the weight categories. What weight divisions have you competed at? Has it always like you've gone your weight down the weight divisions, or did you start and then you moved up and played around with a few? Yes, my weights like constantly come down. So my first comp I did when I was 120, that's ultra, ultra heavy, obviously. And I was still the smallest person in the category. So ultra heavy is for some big, big, <laughs> big guys. Yeah, my first ever comp was the Hereford Open, okay. 120 kilos. Um, I don't know the exact weight of the guys I fought, but the guy in the final was maybe a similar similar weight to me. Yeah. And I did the English Open not long after. First guy I fought, 6'8", 160. He's huge on Instagram. He's <laughs> huge. Um, so Instagram would be like Eddie Hall. Yeah, he was not very strong. It was fine. Um, so I've come down the weights. So I was competing a lot at ultra heavy, like between 106 and 108, which is a really small ultra, ultra heavy. Yeah. Um, but then you... Is reasonably athletic for the weight class. Yeah. So that made up for the difference in weight. Because you bear in mind, so you're finding people like 30, 40% heavier than you. So mm. in terms of a, as a percentage, they're massively heavier. Uh, and I did my first comp super heavy in January. So under 100. That was in Paris, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Weighed in uh, in the gi in 97. So it was a little bit light, really. I'd like to have been a little bit heavier. But if I'd have been three kilos heavier, would that made any difference on the day? No. Interesting, you say with like marginal numbers. When you look at um, walking around with life, right, that three kg heavier is mm-hmm. like me saying, here's three bags of sugar, go walk around with it. No, yeah. Would you choose to move around in that same format? Would, do you know what I mean? That's just that little bit of extra yeah. weight type of thing. Would it, what is that risk to reward ratio, if you if like to think of it like yeah. that, all of a sudden, would it have made that difference? But out of interest, then obviously, with all the weight divisions, do you feel more comfortable now in super heavy? Obviously, the 90s. Yeah, I think I'm just too small for that. When I saw the guy that won my division at Ultra, like the guy's huge, and he's a black belt. If that's one reason, so I could have stayed at like 102, 103, and not had to diet and done ultra. Um, but the black belt, the margin for error is so small. These guys are black belts, and because it's masters too, some of these guys have been black belt for longer than I've been training. This yeah. guy's got four or five stripes on their belt. They've been black belts 12, 16 years, or whatever. Um, they're not going to make the same sort of mistakes that I was encountering at lower belts at ultra heavy. So. Um, so yeah, I don't want to be up against an experienced deficit and a huge weight deficit. Yeah. So I dropped down to super. It's not that hard going from 102 to then probably go get to like 97, 98 and yeah. put the gear on, so like four or five kilos. Um, give myself enough time to do it. it was, I had to be really, really disciplined with it. My body doesn't like losing weight so quick. It puts weight on and muscle on quite quickly, but coming down, not, not so much. So I was real strict with it, but I enjoyed the discipline of it. It helped with my training as well, just to be in a disciplined mindset all the time. Yeah. Couldn't skip any workouts, couldn't skip, couldn't skip any meals, couldn't do a cheat meal when I wasn't allocated myself one. So I quite like that element of it, which I didn't have to do at Ultra. Yeah. It just swings around about, it's just one less thing to stress about. If I just competed at Ultra and I maybe I bulked up a little bit, it was 105. Mm. It'd be one less thing to stress about the weight. Um, but then would I skip workouts because I think oh, I don't need to burn these kicking calories, perhaps I'll skip my cardio today or something. Would, yeah. would, would I have done that? Maybe, I don't, I don't know. But I think I'll always compete at super heavy because I feel. Um, very strong for the division. 
It's interesting you mentioned that. I worked with a client previously who was a female boxer and came to me and said, obviously, she struggled to make weight all the time. And she made it, but just in horrendous ways. Mm. Started working with her, weight was flying off her, really, really simple, really enjoyed the process. Came to the fight itself, um, boxing match, I think it was in the RAF, I remember rightly. And um, she said, she feel like she had no gas tank. And mm. she said, oh, it's the nutrition, this is nutrition. I said, no, these are the numbers you're eating. And I asked, spoke to her trainer afterwards, and she said, uh, yeah, she hasn't been doing as much intense training as what she's done previously. And it was this catch-22 that where we made the nutrition so easy for her. And previously she was going full to the walls to try and get her weight on just from more intense training. But then she didn't have the gas tank for it yeah. because she just didn't have that balance right all of a sudden. It's like, it's always pros and cons of everything. Like you can keep that with deficit going, you can keep obviously doing that, but then does it impact the training in the training room? Do you then get an injury all of a sudden? Like, yeah. it's, it's, very fine art to do that, interestingly enough. I felt so, I've never felt so injury free on the lead up to the Euros. Yeah. Because I was eating so clean, there was no no sugar, no, no processed food, nothing at okay. all. So I felt like my inflammation was at an all time low. <clears throat> when I finished the comp and I started to eat what I wanted, like, you know, have what I want, then the injuries started coming back and pain started coming back. My elbows yeah. and stuff, which I personally put down to the extra sugar I was eating, the inflammatory response to my body, and then they go into my joints and stuff. Wow. That's what I think. So, I um, I'm not saying I, I lost the weight the perfect way, and I was a little bit light, but uh, I quite enjoyed the process. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have that routine. Seeing the physical tra tra transformation as well, <laughs> it, like it's cool. Yeah, never been that lean in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. stage, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my brother's competed in bodybuilding a few, a few times. He was like, I just keep the height inflate three or four more weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I don't like the, the pants. Mate, it'll be fine. Yeah. A side chest bed, I'm sure we look good in wonders. Do you know what I mean? It'll be fine. Um, no, that's interesting. So obviously you had that experience from bodybuilding and that sort of dieting structure for it sort of temporarily. You said you didn't truly dial it in because you said, like, I'm just not going to enjoy this process. Would you say if you didn't have that experience or let's take out the gym side of it, do you think your weight management now in jiu-jitsu would be different? Do you think it would be, would you have got information from elsewhere? I think we just talked off, obviously, mm. off, off going live that there is no structure within the jiu-jitsu world to get yeah. to say, oh, here's a nutrition course for coaches to go and learn type thing yeah. or for professors to go and learn such a thing. What, what approach do you think you would have ended up going? I guess just the same approach that I had when I started bodybuilding you just ask the, the older or bigger guys in the gym, oh, what do you eat, what protein do you take, this, that. Right? And I saw that like in jiu-jitsu when I first started, people would ask <coughs> more experienced people, people in the gym. And so people would literally say, oh, this is the diet that I used, and giving it to somebody with no regard for like the difference in weight that they had or the difference in training they could do or the job they did or anything like that. So it was just a bit uh, rudimentary approach. To it, yeah, and this, but it's how we used to do it in the gym back in the day. Like, oh, how much, how much protein should I eat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> million grams, million grams, yeah. <laughs> more protein is just, yeah. just what you need. So, I guess you just ask the person who thinks more experienced. And I think a lot of people don't have the confidence to say, I, I, I don't know, like, this is what I, what I do, but I don't know if this is the best thing for you. I think people like to That's like to give advice that they're perhaps not super qualified to give because yeah. they're more worried about saying, I don't, I don't know, rather than you know. Yeah, obviously they had that element of pressure straight onto them by having someone come to yeah. them feel a bit special. Yeah. I'm sure you probably get the exact same thing when it comes to teaching technique, where people will start yeah. like teaching technique, and I'm sure you've probably seen it on that at some point where you're going, that's not right, Like you don't need to be going to this angle, yeah, yeah. grabbing that lapel in that sort of way type of thing. And yeah. 
it will then be a detriment to them in the future in a long long term game. Yeah, it walks us down a little bit like the technique, oh I I, I learned this and because I always t- I try and teach like ninety percent of what I teach is what I do inspiring re- repeatedly. If I'm gonna teach a, t- a technique that <coughs> I think is a really good technique but I don't use a lot, or maybe like it's a technique that Pedro used to t- teach a lot that he's really good at, but perhaps I'm not I'm not great at it, but and I'll always like start the class with right, we're gonna do this technique today. I don't use this loads, so I'm not perfect at this. Uh, but this is what I understand about it, and I'll like preface it with like just just so so you know, this is what I'm best at, and try and you know. Yeah, that's interesting. You think more people would try and say that with the nutrition element of it? Yeah. If someone asked me about how do I do my diet, I'm like, well, this is what I did. This is what I thought worked for me. Like, but th- that might not work for you. <laughs> like, everyone's different. I think it's important to not try and impose your your will onto it, opinion <laughs> or like whatever. And like, like just don't present something like as a fact if it's not. Yeah. Like this is what this is what worked for for, for, for me. It's easily done on social media. People go to the top end of the scale and go, what did they do? I'm not going to get exactly the same result. Yeah. I said, I did a nutrition seminar yesterday with a little cross of people, and I said, nutrition at some point is like uh, dating, right? Just because you've got one child client which you think is going to work all of a sudden, yeah. it worked for you in the past, doesn't mean it's going to work for your mate all of a sudden. You're yeah, exactly yeah. the same line. Yeah. And does that mean that line never works? No, it could work, right? And it's then like, you've got to be agile, you've got to be adjustable, you've got to try and understand the whole dating dynamic in a sense and the same thing with nutrition is trying to find something which is more more feasible and more adaptable for the individual I know from my personal experience that um, the clients we work with that there's some clients who do not like having the free reign of going right I'm just going to fill in my calories and macros to a certain level mm. I need a plan and how much I try and insist on saying hey you can make it more flexible they, they just can't communicate with it for whatever reason and so they need that set structure of like right this 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 on this time at this time because yes it eliminates obviously them having to think and stuff which is fine it's no problem the only concern I ever get is kind of outside of prep as such being like outside of comp and mm-hmm. stuff like that. and it's obviously trying to mitigate that sort of difference afterwards obviously I'm sure you've been there, been there before weighed in no problem competition's finished and then next week you're 5kg heavier all of a sudden it's um, a few weeks but I was yeah, yeah. you will have yeah yeah, ninety seven to like hundred and two, hundred and three. But still reasonably lean. Too bad, too bad. Bad. Still, still with, still with abs and stuff. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I took pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was I think a lot of that weight when I was in France in pastries. Yeah. <laughs> RS and just lost on that. They got banging food over there. It's such yeah. a wicked city to say the least. Um, should we touch on that then? How was Paris experience for you? Um, I know obviously you went in there. It's been a little while since you competed. I think it was yeah, six years since I competed, and like I said, I've never had to make weight for a comp before. So I was uh, I was really nervous about that. Like um, you don't want to go all, all that way, be half a half a kilo over, and like your friends come to watch you, and you're like, sorry guys. Honestly, that's my biggest fear in my head. It's yeah. like the newspaper article, nutritionist doesn't make weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right, you, that's right, my yeah. first battle before even getting on the mat in yeah. the first place. So I was really worried about letting other people down. I'm like, shit. You know, so I'm like, yeah, if, this, you know, if that happens. So um, so I took all my food with, with me. I just took um, oats, and, oats and protein and raisins nice. and um, all the energy bars that I was going to eat during the day. I took my scales with me. <laughs> Bubble wrap them in my suitcase, get a glass, make sure, make sure they didn't break. I kept weighing myself on the night <coughs> and then um, found a sushi place because my like cheat meal, if you want, the whole way through the diet, um, through the comp prep was sushi. Nice. So I feel too guilty about sushi, it's fish and white rice. Like, they don't have to feel too guilty about it, I love it. Anytime I eat any other sort of takeaway type food, I feel really unwell the next day anyway. So I don't mm-hmm. like, I enjoy it for, for long. Sushi, I never feel unwell, don't feel that guilty. So I found, before I got to Paris, I found a sushi place next to the hotel that I was staying in, yeah, so um, 
I ate there the night before. I ate there for lunch. I ate there the night, the night, and the night before. Um, so it's quite stressful, but real, like I said earlier, like really rewarding as well. Nice. Did, it all, did you make weight just with food and diet alone, or did you have to do anything else extra on top of it? So I had a lot of extra cardio, a lot yeah. of extra conditioning. Yeah, because I, I love food. I'm a foodie. I'm always hungry. Whether I'm dieting or not, I'm just always hungry. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, and I don't want to be like suffering and miserable. I work on my feet. It's not a laborious job. My job. But I'm on my feet all day. I've got to be interacting with people all day. So I can't be like a zombie. I can't be too, super boring and, and you know dull all day. Yeah. So I had to keep eating. So I just do actually I was doing like three training sessions a day. I do like a strength and condition session in the morning. <coughs> um, come to the gym, but before I talk, we did like another cardio assistance session, usually on the assault bike or the, or the rower. Yeah. Um, usually like some sprints. And then teach my two free classes and spar for an hour afterwards. Nice. So that was my that was like my day every day for the six, seven weeks, whatever. Was that like, was that five days a week, six days a week type thing? Or? I do the teaching four, four days a week, I was training six, seven days a week, unless I felt like super exhausted, then I'd give myself a day. Had the old, re- had the old re- refeed day. Um, you had to start, you must have been easy four or five K count those days. Like. Oh, no, not that much. No, not that much? Probably three. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't weigh and measure, I just used the scales. I used how I felt, which is okay. probably like, Probably something you're doing as a power to ta I was gonna say there was an Instagram story I think I saw the other night of your uh, what was it? The uh, oh, where did you go? It was something like the waffle or something Caspers. like that. Caspers. Caspers, that was it. It's like better weigh my food. Literally got the whole box chucked it on the scales. <laughs> that was yeah. just like that uh, definitely wasn't before the competition. That was, that was <laughs> three after the competition. <laughs> Peanut butter cups and uh, Reese's pieces. No, that's um, interesting. So, so, didn't, didn't so yeah, I just use the scales and how I felt basically. So I'm like, no, it's super tight. So I won't train today, or, or okay. you know, I'll, eat, I'll eat more today, or whatever. Check the scales again the next day, see if I felt okay. Um, How was the pace of the weight coming down then? Was it obviously you didn't have loads to shift, obviously, as you kind of mentioned? So it was like 103 on Boxing Day, or 104 kilos on Boxing Day. So I started like a stricter diet on Boxing Day. I'm like, it doesn't matter what food you have to over. That's, that's the damn strength <laughs> of that. If I just draw a line under it, I'm like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what day it is. So like, my birthday was the week, the week after. Um, on the 8th, 8th of Jan. Do you have a little, little cupcake with a, with a candle? No, I had some, uh, had some salt with popcorn in the cinema. That was it. That was painful because I loved eating food in the cinema. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long film, so Avatar, and it was like a three hour film or whatever. And she did like, lick <laughs> 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 I was trying to savour this thing of popcorn and a Diet Coke. Like, it was underwhelming. So, um, but yeah, like, I committed to doing it. So yeah, it came down nice and gradually. I was like stuck at 98 for a little bit, which might have been okay, because I had a light ghee. Tatami gave me the Elements Super Light Ghee. Nice. Which just really light. That and the belt was under two under two kilos. So I'm like, I can stay at 98, I'll be, I'll be fine. But I'm like, oh, but what if, like, what if I get there and the scales are a bit different? I didn't want to leave it too close. I'd rather be a bit under. So I was trying to get into like 96. And then if I wake up at 96, two kilos with the key in the belt, that's 98, then you've got room to hydrate and eat. And I figured that'd be perfect for like yeah. 99, 99.5. I guess the stress of the day or whatever, and, and so I've got weight and light. But like I said, three kilos when they, was that a difference in winning and losing? Absolutely not. And I felt great. I felt loads, loads of energy in the day. My cardio was great. Nice. Um, I ate loads in the morning. I ate between my, uh, my first and second fight. Like, no, I did. I ate uh, and drunk. So, yeah, the weight wasn't um, Did you fly or drive over to Paris? No, I flew. You flew? So yeah. did your weight change at all to fly out of the chest? Or? It's a very short flight, it's low altitude, isn't it? It's a very yeah. short flight, oh my word, if I had to like, pretend to, to, to touch a 
for sure in the long term. Yeah. I just thought with you being a bigger person, there's more opportunity, obviously, for that to happen. If that makes sense. Yeah. In terms of the no, so that was like I went for like a long walk on the Friday night as well. Yeah. Just to put on some nervous energy, and I was in the apartment on, on my own. Walked to the Eiffel Tower and back. I was like, ended up being like six miles. I'm like, it's a lot further than. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Did you walk up the Eiffel Tower or not? <laughs> ah, it's a bit of an underwhelming. It's a big pile on. There. I got yeah. there. I was like. <laughs> been there, done I planned to walk down and get a taxi back, but I kind of felt fine when I got there. It took 40 minutes, and I'm like, I'll just walk back, it's fine. And then, uh, then I'd like to allow myself to eat, eat some more. Nice, that's not too bad. So, uh, more sushi. Yeah, more sushi, that sounds absolutely epic. Luckily, obviously, it's nice to hear there was no more extreme methods, which I'm honest, like saunas, baths, sweating, obviously, on the day. I feel it works for jujitsu. You don't have the time to rehydrate, you weigh and then you fight like 10, 20 minutes later. I don't think that's a good strategy for a, a 20 minute weigh in. No, definitely not, but it definitely seems to be more transparent. Like, again, I was at Grapple Industries uh, last weekend mm. um, and someone obviously was in my division, first time competing, and he was like, Oh, you have to sweat out a little bit this morning. And I'm like, This is your first competition and you're mm. going into a sauna just to lose a little bit of weight, right? It's not as if this competition, all the competitions, especially on snooker comp and other things outside of it, you've got, I think, up until the Wednesday, if you're competing on the Sunday, to change your category. Right, yeah. And just, I'm like, yeah. just go up. Yeah. Like, I appreciate there's no one in there, but even then, they'll just refund you or do something else. Yeah. But it's just, there seems to be more people doing these things. And again, I'm sure you've been there at competitions before when you've been cornering. Yeah, people stuff. doing sprints up and down the, the jiu-jitsu. And stuff if like you're at the bottom end of a weight division, again, like, four, I don't think, well, I used to compete in ultra heavy, like I said, and I'd be at like a 30, 40 kilo weight deficit, mm. right? If you're at the bottom of a seven kilo division, the person's only going to be seven kilos heavier than you. Mm. In jiu-jitsu, it's not that much. That's why they have absolute divisions, because it's not unsafe to spar or to fight people, massive differences. Yeah. I'd, I'd like, okay, you know more about this, but to dehydrate yourself before doing a jiu-jitsu comp, to me, just seems like madness. Like, I don't, it's got to be detrimental to, well, no, it is, it, it is de detrimental to your performance, for sure. And this is the thing, like, even though it's not, as contact, well, it is contact sport, but let's say more head contact sport, yeah. such as like MMA or boxing, where obviously you've got the fluid around the brain, obviously to keep it nice and steady type of thing. But you then start looking at joints, you then start looking at obviously muscle pairs and all this type of stuff. And it's not as if, I think as jiu-jitsu athletes, we forget sometimes that this is a, well, a complete street fight, but a yeah. physical fight every day. And you get these moments where you're sat there on Sunday afternoon going, I'm absolutely battered right now. And you're like, well, yeah, I've had like, <laughs> 10 fights every day for the last no, I'm pretty sure if you, if you um, stop the match because of cramp in jiu-jitsu you get, yeah. you get, you get disqualified really? I'm pretty sure that's so this story once there's a lady she's over in Hamburg she's a Spanish lady she's over in Hamburg she's got a school ne Nexus yeah. right? Anna Yeges I did a seminar with her in the UK she's amazing and she's a rep she refs everything she, she does all different rule um, sets so she, okay. she knows the rule sets for everything she's really nice. really good and she told this story on her Instagram one time about like this guy's in a comp and he's um, he got the guy's back whatever it was and the guy gets cramped and stops and stops the match and the ref DQs the guy because uh, he cramped. He starts his next match and the same thing happens. The guy gets cramped, cramped, and he's ah, cramped, I've cramped and he gets de 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 DQ'd because the guy gets through to the final ever. The next guy ah and he whispers, he's if it's cramp, don't tell the ref it's cramp because you get disqualified. Then there's something else because he's because like, he hadn't had a full fight yet because the other guy, two guys had been disqualified because they got cramped. So, it's, so if that happens, and like I said, you go all the way somewhere, you get cramped and you lose. That's absolutely right. I'm pretty sure, I think like, uh, if that's wrong, do like the, the rule people come in on the comments yeah. or whatever. I guess the other athletes are sort of chucking like salt in all their food and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. They're actually yeah. trying to take this out and we'll work with salt. I checked check with Anna, because she knows, uh, I saw her in Paris as well. Um, 
Yeah, I checked her about it. She told that story. I was pretty sure it was like the UGF or was that. But yeah. But it's interesting because obviously the difference obviously in weighing procedures has definitely got more mass outside mm. of IBJJF. Um, and the idea being is that people taking advantage of the weight differences they can get. We can't deny obviously the stuff from MMA that's then transferred. So obviously when your students mark this film, but we previously yeah. had it day before weighing. Mm. And so it was like, right, we'll take full advantage of this. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this is what I mean. Like, we've got some good plans for ADCC with him, which is going to be really, really cool, which is yeah. going to be wicked to do with trials and stuff. But the idea being is again, how do I put it? There's only so much you're going to gain from that environment. And I don't know, is it fair that some of these other federations, these groups, um, competitions are coming up are giving this option for day before wear, or do you think they should be in unison with IBJJF rules where it's like you weigh in, you get on the mat straight away? No, I think it's the, I, I, I don't know. I think you've signed up to the rules, know what they are. Like you, you know the rules be before you agree to, to do them. Mm. If you don't agree with 24 hour weigh-ins, don't, don't sign up to it, don't do it. If you do, then do. I think it's nice if you've got a choice. Yeah. No one's been forced to do a certain Type, type of thing. If you don't like 24 wins, then don't do them. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm, I think every organisation has their own set of rules. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. 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 yeah that's fair enough. Like I said, it's, it's interesting because I, I only concern that I personally have is going to be the case of this uh, transparency, if that makes sense, mm. where you're going to get some more novice people, maybe some kids, some stuff like this, going to see like, oh yeah, you weighed in 10 kg lighter and, and miss that very crucial point that he had mm. the time, obviously, to rehydrate afterwards. And and stuff yeah, like yeah. this obviously it's easy to put stuff on social media saying hey look I'm 88 kilograms all of a sudden and then all of a sudden I've refueled back up to 99 and there's not that <laughs> message at the 99 like he looks a lot bigger like, what's well, interesting baby is you've got to weigh in both days haven't you yes that's and that must be tough wow it's that this, must be so tough it's the dramas that are coming out where people are getting IVs and stuff and I'm like hold on this is like way extreme and then obviously well this is the topic talk about in a second obviously with um, USADA and stuff like that but then IV obviously then clear that majority of that out of your system as well and yeah. so for the funding that they have and we mentioned this briefly in the last podcast it's not as if ADCC are short of a few pennies especially mm. with the backing that they've got yeah. they could easily put things like hydration tests in there mm. to try and keep the level of the safety of the athletes and then potentially let's encourage them as, as I kind of mentioned with your school here obviously it drip feeds down in the sense mm. of like okay this is the standard that we hold here Yes, we have other rule sets which allow obviously for performance and some drug use, so that's absolutely fine. But we're actually then obviously considering obviously we're not uh, changing the numbers on the scales too much for someone to have to use an IV to get rehydrated. But some of the stories that come out of it, having to go and fight obviously two, three matches in a day, then having to rehydrate a little bit, and then having to do a panic wake cut again for another 24 hours after yeah. just having three or four matches. And it's just, where do you draw the that's line? Crazy. Yeah. Yes, they do it a lot in America with the wrestling high school kids and stuff. Yeah, they're used to doing that. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw something the other day about another jiu-jitsu guy. Was, um, was it Cochran who shared it? I think someone shared it. And it was about um, kids and their parents making them do saunas and stuff like this to get them to make weight. Yeah. And again, bad parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's another debate for another day. But it's the same thing of that we live in a nation where most parents don't know how to control their own weight and then all of a sudden they've got this pressure that it's their responsibility for their child to be in that bracket and mm -hmm. then have to make weight for it and again quick google how can I make weight fast is obviously so with the kids here I told I said to a few of the parents I'm not going to be the person to tell your kid they need to lose weight to make it category I think with like awkward situations exactly with like social media and eating disorders and, and all the other things and body dysmorphia things that everyone 
can potentially go through. I think especially teenagers are more vulnerable to it. Yeah. I'm not going to be the person to be like, now you need to make 65 kilos or whatever the weight, 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 weight is. And like, now your teenage daughter's got to lose two kilos. Like, I don't want to be that person. Like, just by the weight class up, let's not give them body issues and, yeah. and insecurities in their 14 they're trying to enjoy a sport. Remember, like, all this is amateur, pretty much. Mm. Like, what's it, like 9%? Yeah. Like, like 9% of jiu-jitsu is, is amateur. It's got to be enjoyable. If you're taking the enjoyment out of it for a teenager, because you're telling them sauna and they weigh and diet and blah, blah, blah. I think it's important they understand diet and health and nutrition. Yep. But from a healthy perspective, not they don't see diet as the way to lose weight. They see diet as just what they consume. Yeah. 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 Like either linked to performance or just what like my diet is what I consume in a day. If I'm doing a diet, doesn't mean I'm trying to lose weight and change the semantics or change the connotations of what the word diet means to them. But like you said, the parents don't have that knowledge. I just hope a lot of parents don't have that. We learn from other sports because you talk about things like gymnastics, for example, Mm -hmm. and as you mentioned, wrestling. It's notoriously known for gymnastic coaches to be like, or swimming coaches, like, your daughter needs to lose weight. Mm. They're not going to be quick enough. They want to go to this level type thing. And I know. I think you've got to be an Olympian. Like I said, you don't have the option in Jiu Jitsu. Nah. If you want to be in the Great Great Britain team and be an Olympian and be paid for it and go to the Olympics, I think that's a, that might be like an uncomfortable truth. Perhaps you do have to be a certain, a certain weight. Perhaps you do have to go on a certain, certain diet. It's because of that level. Jiu Jitsu is not the same level as gymnastics or whatever these, these Olympic sports. So like gymnast- um, jiu-jitsu for like 99.9% of people that do it will always be a hobby that costs them money that doesn't give them any money back for most people, even with the, the um, emergence of these new pro- pro- professional events. Gymnastics and boxing and anything that's an Olympic sport isn't like that. So if you've got that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, but then some of the, but like to go to the Olympics is a massive thing. Yeah. And like if you want to get to that level, and, and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing to be told you need to look a certain way or you need to be a certain way and all these trouble all these like gymnasts and whatever people that have come out i was believed by my coach my coach told me this yeah but you were happy when you got to the olympics and won, and won your medal if you want to complain about it t- 10 years afterwards like i don't know i just think if you to be like the elite of the elite you've got to go through uncomfortable stuff yeah um yeah it's the heart battles nothing that unethical or illegal and there's stuff that's happened in gymnastics which is horrific which is obviously completely different conversation 100 percent a different conversation yeah. but to be told you need to look a certain way be a certain way I think it's just an uh, uncomfortable truth if you want to be the elite, the elite. No, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. It's like the fine balance, as you mentioned, from like hobbyist to uh, professional. Yeah, and it is a hobby. Yeah. Most people, me, I'm a, say, black belt, compete, wherever. I get paid, obviously, to teach, have, have, have an academy. But for the most part, it's a, it's a hobby. Mm. Um, and it will be for most people. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, I glad we had this conversation because it's definitely transpired into something else which I didn't even think we we're going to even talk about today but it's, it's a really really interesting point you sort of make there with especially with more eyes on the sport now and it's mm-hmm. kind of saying look more eyes are going to come in more people are going to bring their kids in obviously to come and try it and obviously you get the both both sides of it I'm sure you've had it before kids start parents look at it and they eventually go do you know what I'll give us a go type thing yeah. and I'm sure it's going to happen in a way where parents are going to get involved with this because they want to try and find a hobby that's different from going to pure gym five times a week and yeah. hating the monotony of it and then all of a sudden going oh maybe the kids could get involved with this I can see like the structure behind it and stuff like that and so it's just always fine line when it comes to it which is interesting so um okay cool we will go on to <laughs> USADA let's talk about it then lots of drama around obviously performance and drugs use and it being the case of athletes then being banned uh, I thought it was very interesting a few of these athletes made publications prior to the the statement from USADA saying they're going to be banned, saying, yeah, what's your yeah. And it's like, 
that's a very easy statement to suddenly make all of a sudden. Just yeah. like get ahead of it. Get ahead of it, and it seems like it's all publicly timed at the right time, and it yeah. seems to be managed well, type of stuff. Um, seems to be very much a big split as to okay, fine. You should obviously, if it's tested in the environment, you should just be tested through and through for all athletes. Obviously, they're only testing obviously a certain group of people. Um, and obviously, some of the things that these guys are taking is just absolutely insane. And some of them, again, wouldn't see any benefit from a performance benefit from it other than potentially more muscle mass. But kindly, as you kind of mentioned earlier, to mean that you're going to be heavier, more muscle means you're going to be more mm. superior. Um, but yeah, what, what's your sort of thoughts on it? I want to check. I don't know. I think. You can't just test the winners or you can't just test the podium people. I think if you're going to test, you have to test everyone. But I think there's not enough money in it to do it. And like I'm just referring to, Jiu Jitsu is a hobby. People pay to do the IBJJF comps. Uh, there's no prize, obviously, in the GP, there's, there's prize money and things like that, which is awesome now. Mm. But <coughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know where I stand on it. I like what Cyborg came out and said. He's like, I'm 42 years old, I'm this many times world champion, I'm competing against 20 year olds that are doing the same thing. Like, at least he owned it and was honest and came out and was like, yeah, I'm on TRT, I'm 43, of course I'm on TRT. Like, stupid. Mm. Um, but I think if you test one person, you've got to test everyone. I think it just has to be consistent. It's interesting. I, I wonder where the responsibility would lie if they did go down that route. So I know, obviously, I mentioned this again obviously on the previous podcast, is that this similar situation occurred when. Reebok and the UFC were trying to make a deal with each other back in the day mm -hmm. and they, their biggest statement was that we're not going to be associated with you unless you get this level of testing to USADA level mm -hmm. because we don't want to be associated with the sport. That then obviously transpired and did happen and then all the athletes got into extensive testing for all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand is the UFC obviously funded that for them. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't have to pay for it individually out of their, obviously yeah. their own pockets. So to be honest, did, did, did IBJJF obviously of that standard with that money, it's got to go and test all the athletes that go I don't think, I think there's the I don't think there's the money in it. Um, yeah, like I pay my membership every year, pay £125, whatever it is, to enter a comp. They, their business, they've got to make money as well. But I think, yeah, I think you, know, you test one person, you've got to test everyone. So if they put, if they put the cost of the test, for example, so say 150 for example, would you, and that then included you to be then drug tested, how would you feel about that? Uh, it wouldn't deter me. Um, yeah, it wouldn't determine as long as as long as I knew that everyone's going to be under the same rules. Mm. That's all. Because there's been instances in the past where different teams have then won world championships because post competition someone tested positive, so they gave the silver medalist gold and he was never tested. And then the, the the whole team then that won the world championships changed. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was, but then so that's like a massive Im implication. Was it fair that that person that came second didn't test, and the person that got bronze then got? Um, Silver, his team got more points and his value's gone up, but he was never fit tested either. That's interesting. And I think that there's, I don't know the name, <coughs> any names, but a lot of, like, what do you do with the guys coming up now? Are they ever going to be able to achieve the same as the guys from the past that weren't tested? Because I'm sure we can all <laughs> do, do the iPad test and look at, you know, okay, yeah. this person was probably taking it when he won his however many World War II championships yeah. or whatever. How's that going to affect the generation coming up? I don't, know. I don't know how I feel about it because, like I said, you're paying to enter these comps. Yeah. Um, it, 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 is a, it is a hobby. I don't know. It's a tricky situation. There's no right or wrong answer type of thing. Yeah, there's no perfect. And I think if you someone says, you know, oh, well, no, I don't, 
I think if we were testing Everton, we'd be like, oh, well, obviously you're taking stuff then. Yeah, that's not necessarily the case. I just think it needs to be. And then what? Then do you not test the brain belts? Either? Do you test the brain belts? Or not? At what stage do you start or stop it? Testing? Do you test masters? Do you test the? You know, whichever. Like when? When do you? When do you start and stop? Is it just like, just adult black belts or whatever? But then everyone's mm-hmm. going to turn thirty, going to going to masters. Masters. And they're going to start seeing these enormous <laughs> masters <laughs> bears. And then as you so. kind of mentioned, is it going to be the case of oh, if you're a masters three, we're, we're, we're allowed to TRD? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a very, I don't think it's black and white, I think it's grey, grey all over. Um, yeah. It's a, tr- it's a really tricky one, like I said. And the other issue you've got is you've got obviously these other opportunities to go and compete on different, uh, let's just call them federations rather than competitions, mm-hmm. which is easier, who don't care about testing in the slightest bit. And so, again, I'm not to be on the same drug, I just feel like it's going to be a big shift in people and where they're going to go all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and it's not because, again, as you mentioned, that they're on things, so it could be absolutely natural, absolutely fine, but you definitely get more marketing and more exposure to going to a different federation all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and paying your £125 just to be simply on a leaderboard somewhere, yeah. which, again, to be honest, even trying to find yourself and flow at the time, obviously, when you're competing, I was like, what's going through this outfit? I can put, struggle yeah. to find the right mat and this type of stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, there's just no benefit from going the right route. And I think that's the problem. There's no incentive to go the right route other than traditional and just trying to be a little bit more above above the grain, if that makes sense, like than everyone else. And yeah. outside of that, I don't quite know why. It's like I think the traditional jiu-jitsu is probably to be on it, not to be on it. When you look at even the last twenty years, the guys that have won all the all, all of the major comps, I think there's a very few that would not test positive on yeah, but then he's, um, people say oh, it's cheating. It's not cheating. I don't know if it's not written within the rules that you can't do it. Then is it cheating? I don't know. It's like an ethical, it's ethical, it's it's ethical or philosophical. Like yeah. Then there's always that joke. I've seen the Olympics one because the performance has been drugs. What were the world records then? Type of thing. Like <laughs> yeah. Then look at, look, at, look at the Russians in the um. Oh yeah, good point. What was the uh, state funded? Yeah, yeah. If you're stuck in that Yeah. So like yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you look at. All elite level sports, you know, look at some of the guys in the UFC, even after you started, look like made of clay, chiseled out of stone. Connor seems to be a lot bigger all of a sudden. Everyone's like, well, he came out of the testing pool, yeah, he came out of the testing pool, and like, look at guys like Yo Romero, he passed all his tests, he's never failed a test or whatever. Look at him, like, he doesn't pass the the, the contents pet test, yeah. does he? The eye test. So, like, there's, like, so I'm sure there's what you said earlier, I don't know about the, the diuretics and stuff, I've never messed any of that stuff. You said earlier, IVs can flush your stuff out of your system, I yeah. don't know anything about it, but just like the science will always catch up, like, the masking will always try and stay one step ahead of the testing, or like, the, or the testing is trying to catch up with, with the masking. So I guess it's just who's got more money, who's got more backing, who's got more funding. It's, There's probably going to be the winners. It's interesting you say that because I remember hearing a statement from a, another podcast and it was the fact that testing will always be behind mm. trying to find, uh, behind masking because the reality behind it is that if you've got state-funded programs, you're going to chuck millions mm-hmm. at this, the whole Olympic squad for geopolitical like <laughs> improvements, should we say. Um, this is getting really deep. <laughs> <laughs> then you're not going to get that from a testing facility who struggle to get funding. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you're in unison with someone like USADA who are going to do comprehensive testing as well, because even again, the other testing facility is not, not the right thing. They're like, we're going to come on Tuesday on April 23rd to come and see you. Yeah. Um, just let us know if you're around, if that's okay. Yeah, obviously, yeah. as an athlete, obviously, you could be there going like, oh, well, okay, cool, that's absolutely fine. Um, 
Dave, what I want you to do is get past yeah, this yeah, test type thing. Yeah. Um, then yeah, it's always going to be an interesting, interesting conversation because I think test everyone or test no one. You can't just test the winners. Um, sorry, sorry, or make it completely random. Like you turn up on on the, on the day, and it's a complete random. But then people are going to question that if certain people aren't tested, like it wasn't this person's been tested. They got around it with the Olympics. They were saying apparently with the, with the Beijing Olympics that they'd have the Chinese athletes would be like all taken to another side where they were going to pee in a different cup. All of a sudden, yeah. things like this, yeah. and all the other athletes were over here. They're like, "What's going on here?" Type yeah. thing. And then you hear it through like the bar pools of like, <laughs> what was it? Uh, NFL athletes having like fake cocks and stuff like this. With, like, That's a really old school one. I've heard about <laughs> um, prosthetic penises with someone else's urine in. I heard about a really extreme um, scenario. I learned this about in like A level P in school years ago. People having their bladder injected with somebody else's urine. What? So they, if it was to test they would pee someone else's uh, urine, which sounds super dangerous. Um, <laughs> extreme. Yeah, but that's like, uh, yeah, so I think it's a hard way to get. And there's just not the money in Jiu Jitsu, I don't think, to have the most extensive testing facilities. You say that though, it, the backing of what ADCC has, they've got the money behind I was them. thinking more of the JJF. They don't have probably oh, yeah. the, the money. ADCCC do, but I think it would take out the spectacle a little bit. Yeah, it's hard because they're, they're in a position to do such a thing. Yeah. But will it then taint? <laughs> and then it's kind of like, is, the, the, is, is it going to taint the, the draw that gets into there? And then, so I think a 40 minute match is much less entertaining. <laughs> because yeah. that aren't, I haven't got the help along the way. Yeah. And then is it going to, like I said, going to get less viewership? And then does that mean that the viewership, the majority of the viewership, is actually wanting for it to be untested? Does that matter? I don't know if that's the answer. But anyway, we'll move on to some quick fire questions. So um, I don't know why it took me forever to realise this, obviously, with your surname and stuff. But I didn't realise you were Italian or was you Sicilian or? Yeah, Italian. What part of Italy are you from? Uh, originally, my family from Calabria. Okay. So like the very, very toe of Italy, right next to Sicily, the very, very south. And uh, now they live in Florence. Nice. That's where I'm going. Pizza or pasta? Oh, <laughs> depends. In the day, pizza, and the evening, pasta. Okay. Does pineapple normal pizza? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> straight away. Yeah, nice. Does pineapple normal pizza to Italy? I'm guessing. Is that, is that the reason not why? Not on pizza. No, not on a pizza. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and Mikey Mussolini are in the room. Who makes the better pizza? Pizza between a pair of you. Oh, I've never made a pizza in my life. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 You must have made pasta, surely, fresh pasta. I've never made fresh pasta. What? I've never. That's mad. Okay. That's no, a myth. What would be an interesting fact that your jujitsu students don't know about you? <laughs> but I don't want them to know it if they don't already know it. <laughs> um, Nah, that's right. Take something about it. We can move on to something else you want, which is no problem. Uh, what would be a unpopular jiu-jitsu opinion? Now, you mentioned one earlier. Do you want any other more to add to that one? <laughs> yeah, maybe one like that one. Yeah, go on. Um, unpopular jiu-jitsu opinion. Uh, you need to do gi to get better at no gi. You need to do gi to get better at no gi. Uh, popular. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how the comments go with that yeah, one. Yeah. We're going to get all of them firing off. I can only think of one club down south who like just do no gear and they. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was really interesting. Yeah. Hey, it happens. It happens. Who's the, who's, the, who's the professor? Who's the instructor? Oh, you've mentioned him already. Matrix, I believe. Oh, yeah. Matrix is really good as well. But <laughs> Matrix is really good in the gear. Yeah. Matrix is really good in the gear. 
It's interesting. I've only heard about Matrix the last two, three weeks as this mysterious person. And it's, oh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. He's one of Pedro's first ever black belts. Yeah, everyone's mentioned it. I was speaking to last night about it. Uh, James Moore, actually. Yeah. Was, uh, is he purple now? Is he, is he purple? I, I might be purple. Yeah, he's just talking about it, and I've always, obviously, we've been all the Pedro's sort of black belts uh, prior to hearing his name, obviously. Yeah. Um, Rory, obviously, was kind of like a standout guy, obviously, yeah. um, amongst all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said, okay, I've heard about this Matrix guy, obviously, all the discrimination. Yeah. I was like, well, have those two ever gone on it? And then what's the outcome of that one? Oh, of course they would. Like, they would have been the, the probably the best training partners for each other back yeah. in the day, because they were the two. So I came in sort of like, generation after them so they were like Pedro's first crop of guys in Bristol yeah I was very part of the second crop of guys and those two were yeah stand, um, stand, standouts in the room for sure so they would have been great training partners for, for each other <laughs> but yeah but Matrix is really good in the, he teaches gi he's got a new school Kaizen yes he does have and he does gi and no gi yes no, no. but yeah the elite guys um, I know those guys are real real nice real, oh, real, real, real nice guys um, they come into uh, train um us a few a few times. Yeah. Knew Jordan not well, but like he was here. Sweet, 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 a really nice guy. Um, so I don't train much. No gi. I just prefer the gi. It's my preference. But when I spar, no gi, I get very similar results than I do in the gi. That's interesting. That's just my again. That's just my personal experience. I'm not saying the same for everyone. That's one just to put cat amongst the pigeons. Nah, why not? It'll be yeah. fun. It'll be fun. Um, okay, you have the opportunity to submit Kate Latolo. Or Craig Jones, who you submitting? Uh, Craig Jones. Everyone says Craig Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it Craig Jones? What would you submit him with? I don't know what, what, what whatever he let me submit him with. I don't think I'd have much of a choice. <laughs> Actually, I could be much funnier afterwards if I gave a tell would then kick the shit out of me afterwards. Whereas uh, Craig Jones would probably have a laugh and get the beer or something. Yeah. He's much more laid back. Much guy. more laid back. Yeah, I don't think he'd care that much. <laughs> uh, <coughs> And I, I couldn't submit either of them, so it's uh, a super hypothetical question. <laughs> it's fine. It's just like I said, a super hypothetical question that we'll ask. I'm sure this is all good. Um, what's probably the biggest learning experience from a nutrition perspective that, well, probably the biggest mistake you made in the past that you think you want a potential white belt listening to say, don't do that route, it's not going to pay off like you think it is? Yeah, so for me, like eating like a bodybuilder when I started jujitsu probably a mistake like thinking that protein is just the like it's a divine substance that you need as much as you can all the time and the more protein means more muscle obviously there's a limit to the I don't know what the point diminishing return is but it's a, a gram per two grams a kilo or whatever what, what, 2.2 two grams yeah, per kilo roughly uh, like I said back in you know 15 16 years ago whatever it was when I was doing more bodybuilding it was just like bro more protein <laughs> you just fill yourself up on minced beef and chicken and whatever else and then perhaps you uh, wouldn't take the carbs and fats and stuff so, so seriously <clears throat> whereas for a completely different sport like jiu-jitsu where we'd like to do a two-hour session this this morning I'm, yeah. I'm not doing that on chicken breasts you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm doing that on 100 grams of porridge and honey and raisins the, you just got to protein the protein here guys you've got a little chicken just lined up yeah we're all hitting the anabolic window hitting that anabolic window oh Um, the study was originally done all the participants were fasted and they just did it in that sense to see the absorption rate obviously of protein consumption after a certain period of time of training they repeated the test when they weren't fasted and they were like oh the absorption rates are nowhere near this high all the time and so the anabolic window kind of just went 
out the window. Uh, and it's about the amount of protein availability across the diet. A little bit different when it comes to like sleep and in terms of more digestible proteins, such as casein and stuff like that for yeah. recovery time. But yeah, they don't use casein. They can't use whey. Do you know what? We're really upset my stomach. That's interesting. Really, really no lactose intolerance or anything like that. No, no, I have casein. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, but whey, whey really upsets my stomach. That's interesting. Like after a day, if I have like a shake after a train, whatever, then the next day I have shish shake after a train. Five times up. Wow. Yeah, but casein's fine. Just like I said, slower, slower, slower digesting. Whatever, and my stomach's quite happy with that. That's interesting. Um, probably another question I probably have for you was um, putting on weight. Obviously. A lot of talks obviously with introduced you like making weight, getting down to it. When you went to put on weight, is there anything that you did in particular? I know you said it wasn't as super beneficial for you, obviously with that and previously from a bodybuilder. Well, body um, well a bit of both maybe obviously. Was it did you ever struggle to put on weight? No, like put on weight and muscle, not not so not so harsh for me. Like I said, like coming down it's harder. I've never like I said, I've never been so lean. Um as I was doing doing the Europe and it was like everyday discipline, like super and if I if I had a <clears throat> like a cheat or a cheat whatever, like I see the scale move like the next the next day. Mm-hmm. And I run the same time of day every day, the same yeah. process every, every every morning. My weight will go up real quick. So putting on muscle and weight and lifting heavy weights is not been is, is the easier part for me. It's the diet, it's the it's the cutting weight. Lo- I don't I hate some cutting weight. Cutting weight to me is losing water. Losing weight is for me is harder. That's which to be honest, that's a very big thing that people seem to misunderstand manipulation of a weight and actually losing body fat are two yeah. separate different yeah. things. People say you want to cut, and I'm like, I'm four weeks away from competing, I'm just not cut. I'm just losing <laughs> a bit of weight. Yeah, and you can manipulate weight, and this is the thing, obviously, from again from my perspective, is that especially with day before weighing scenarios, which obviously is the most common weighing situation with jujitsu, is that you can manipulate three to four kilos in the space of four, four to five days before mm-hmm. weighing. And then do the rest, obviously, with whatever method you want to do, fast or uh, more, yeah. uh, more glucose depletion, that type of thing. But it always seems to be the extreme ends that everyone jumps to straight away. And as you kind of mentioned, obviously, people running around competitions and sweatsuits on and this yeah. type of stuff, especially for a hobbyist sport, of course, you've already yeah. mentioned here. I think people, with regards to mistakes, I've heard the term recently, like dirty bulk, which I've never really heard of before. But I guess just people using an excuse to like get fat because they're putting on weight. I think like perhaps you perhaps there's a scientific method behind it. But I figure if you're gonna put on weight you just eat more of the same food you were doing when you were dying. Yeah. So instead of being whatever, fifty grams of oats or eighty grams of oats or whatever whatever the easy amount is, eating dirty cheap cheeseburgers and chocolate bars and being like dirty bulk bro. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, yeah. just getting fat and yeah. being lazy. But I don't think that I don't think necessarily if you have a month of a dirty bulk like because you like you've been dieting real real, real strict and mentally need a bit of resetting right. and like, you know what, I want I want a cheeseburger this weekend. Or Easter, I'm gonna eat an Easter egg, whatever. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No. I don't think you have to case it and like label label it to give yourself an excuse like I can eat this because it's a dirty bulk. Like if you want to eat it, just eat it. You don't have to like it's this yeah it's the put same. Put some fallacy around yeah. around the other thing. Just I think the healthiest way to put on weight is just do the same things you did to lose weight. You just manipulate the amount of the same food that you eat. Yeah, yeah. I get. Yeah, no, that, to me, it just seems like common sense. Yeah, that, honestly, I'm, I'm there nodding away, so I'm agreeing completely with you. The, the whole dirty bowl thing literally just seems to be a complete facade of saying, oh, I'm on TRT, by the way, because I'm old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else is just like, okay, yeah. fine. And as you mentioned, like, with a lot of the nutrition stuff that I talk about, is that no food is going to make you fat, right? Yeah. And, like, again, you can overconsume on clean food, for example, mm. very, very easy. We see it very commonly with people who go and switch to a plant-based diet all of a sudden, 
and I just smashed all the chips left, right, and centre, and gave them all more. I thought, what's the way? Am I going to tell today? Am I the case? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me, Mr. Hunter, what is it? Has to be, has to be healthy if it's vegan. Yeah, uh, not if it's not if it's highly processed or anything, which is a vegan option. Great to be in sausage roll. Healthy yeah. roast vegan. <laughs> um, but you're very much right in terms of my preference is that we want to try and find the things that you are doing within your normal day-to-day life because you're going to do them every time, mm. right? Obviously, you mentioned there that when you're cutting down obviously for, uh, not cutting, sorry, she's doing it right, but you're moving your weight down obviously for uh, the Paris obviously competition, that afterwards obviously you ate a few more different foods and that type of thing. And the reality is, is that you're going to be more consistent across the whole board there mm. if we're just simply including these foods all the time. I know obviously earlier we were talking about Jaffa cakes all of a sudden, yeah. like that type of stuff. And the fact is, there is nothing wrong with that Jaffa cake in particular. Mm. And it's then saying, okay, fine then. I just need to understand the value of that Jaffa cake to be able to be inclusive of it and then obviously try and work it in from there. It, it's, it's the mind-boggling thing to me. I know you touched on inflammation and sugar, which is kind of a completely different topic altogether with it. But in terms of energy directly into your bloodstream as quickly as possible, high sugar content foods are going to be more than suitable for it all of a sudden. And so then you have things like Paribo jelly babies, you've got the gels, you've got Lupidate Sport, you've got Jaffa cakes even, right? And yet, within the same breath, someone will say, well, those dirty foods, you can't touch that. Yeah. You, you could use a can of Coke, for example. Yeah. Like, really high sugar. I think timing, timing is important. It is, yeah. it is important to obviously not to be having these unnecessarily at points where, I don't know, you've just been sat on the sofa all day and then that's when you're guzzling a litre of full flat The things you've mentioned, are the immediately prior to attrition training or in between matches or whatever? Uh, yeah, so again, in between matches, we want things that are going to be really, it's what is called obviously high GI foods. Um, so obviously, and viewers and listeners obviously out there, high GI foods is that it's called the glycemic index scale. And so uh, I believe I'm right at the right at the top, you're going to have things like honey, which are really, really sweet things. Um, <laughs> you got some, uh, you should point out earlier, weren't you? I saw that. <laughs> Again, rice cake out, fish and rice cake. <laughs> um, and then you can, uh, yeah, it, you can work through the list of lots of different things. Now, the other great thing in the position that you're, you're in, let's as you mentioned, between matches, is that, oddly enough, the stigma that a full-fat kind of coke has around it, you can get really high GI sugars straight into your bloodstream again to refuel yourself and also have something that's going to be hydrating at the same time. Mm. And Coca-Cola is actually more hydrating than water. Do you think the fizzy drink in between, or if you've even got short gaps in matches as well, because I'm, I'm not chugging a can of Coke? No, so again, it's a fine balance of like, as you can imagine, some people get on well with certain foods compared to others, yeah. and drinks for that matter, and so again, if you're able to, it depends on the time table, you're, you're going to have a minimum of what, five minutes between matches, obviously, to begin with? Uh, minimum of one round. Uh, yeah, minimum of yeah. one round, isn't it? Obviously, it could be a little bit longer, so you could utilise that, obviously, if you've got a bit of time, obviously, probably five minutes is a little bit too short, you nail back oh, again. Drinking physically personally, I just I get gas. Well, so you could switch to personal. Yeah, uh, you could switch to something like a. Um, uh, so not Mark using this at the moment. You can use dextrose powder, for example, yeah. which is a pure carbohydrate powder. It just tastes like ass, for mm-hmm. honest. Obviously, it's got flavour and everything. Yeah. But um, you could utilise some of that. Lucasade Sports, are easy one to go to straight away. Yeah. You're getting fluid in there. You're getting sodium in there as well, obviously to replenish anything you may have lost. Obviously, I'm sure that's a good point. You a sweaty guy in the game or not? Yeah. Yeah. Or you must be obviously trying to keep obviously on top of the water fluid. So, so like, yeah. I know I need to stop training when I stop sweating. I'm like, I'm not sweating, I'm cold. Okay, I need to stop now. <laughs> that's when I stop training. That's fair. That's a good little indicator. 
Um, but yeah, obviously beforehand, afterwards you want to replenish it as well. Obviously beforehand, you've got easy like little bags of like party bags, carry bags, you just nail them as quickly type of mm. thing. Um, you, I generally advise people to deter from things like chocolate or anything that's like really sticky, like peanut butter or anything yeah. like that. Even though peanut butter is not really that optimal at that point. Just because when we look at other people's in different professions, i.e. actors, actresses, things like this, they want to keep their airways clear. Now in a sport where we're trying to stop each other from breathing yeah. all the time, you don't want to be there with like a mouthful of like, on a roof full of like Nutella stuff. It's just high it. five bars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like pure fruit bars. That's nice. That's not yeah. too bad. And honey and water. That's basically what I use between my two. So that's fine. Obviously, the honey is going to use between. Or if I'm like, if I'm doing a really long session, if I'm training for two, two, three hours, teaching, sparring, I've done cardio before. Yeah. I use a high five bars and water. Yeah. Sure, that's fine. But again, it's just down to personal preference and kind of expanding it. I think. For me, my kind of viewpoint is trying to encourage others to try and expand those food groups, especially into what we will compartmentalise as like, oh, I can't have these, I have to have these on a cheat meal type thing. Yeah. And it's kind of saying, well, actually, if we can get you to have that encouragement, obviously, to expand it, then obviously it's going to make things a little bit more consistent going through. But as you mentioned, some people don't like not having that set structure. For me, it's like opening the Pandora's box. If I had yeah. one, one, if I had one Jaffa cake at 12, 12, 12 o'clock, by two minutes past 12, that entire box is gone. I don't <laughs> have that, so I'd rather not have any at all. I've got yeah. no off switch with it. I'd like, if, if I open whatever it is, I was talking about chocolate covered rice cakes earlier. Right? Yeah. If there's a pack of three, I'd eat the pack of three. If there's a pack of 12, I'd eat the pack of 12. They're open, they're going, and that's it. So I'd rather not touch any, any of them, not have one Jaffa cake, not have one Haribo, because I know I can't stop myself. It's just like flood, floodgates. So I just cut out completely. Interesting, so when you look at a lot of, um Again, obviously another sport here is like UFC fighters when they got their personal chefs and stuff like that. It's not, oh, here's some food, go pick up your want. They'll give them the plate of food and say, yeah. go eat this. Yeah. And it, there's an element of mechanisms behind it, so I'm sure so you could, I don't know if your are too big to get the fucking tube, <laughs> Pringles type thing. But, um, oh, you can't, can't stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's this, it's this mechanism of like completion, yeah. right? Of then going, okay, slowing the process down, getting to the end of it, and then going, am I full right now? Like, oh, do I need any more of this? Am I still hungry? Is the idea of, again, like, a very confident male is, I'm just going to keep on going until I hit the end, you're going to stop. I don't know, Mark, I was talking earlier about Mark. Mark can eat, like, there's like a two finger Kit Kat. Mark can eat one finger and put the other finger back in the cupboard. <laughs> I'm like, psychopath, what's wrong with you? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how he can do it. Is this before he's spitting out, he actually eats it, like, the wrong way as well? Mike puts it. Yeah, some people have got like, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's a physiological or psychological reaction to it, I don't know. But so I'd rather, just, for me, it's better just to cut it out completely. Or if I'm going to do something that I'll eat before bed, so then, then I go to sleep, then I can't eat anymore. That's it. And I'm like, then I'm asleep. Yeah. So I can't, and then the next morning, I'm like, okay, fresh, fresh, clean slate. Uh, that's interesting. It's interesting. Right. Again, I hope obviously you took a little bit away from, obviously, from the conversation today, mate. Obviously, it's been great speaking to you and stuff. Um, any sort of shout outs to the sponsors? Obviously, have you guys got any promotions here for the gym? Anything going on recently at all? Um, so, yeah, all the RR training goes on. I teach all the gi. Mark Hibbard teaches the no gi. We've got classes every day, apart from Saturday. Um, it's down at the Pit Gym in Bridge 8 in Bristol. Everyone's welcome to come from other academies, from wherever, come try us out. Uh, and uh, thanks to Tatami. Tatami sponsored me, uh, started to sponsor me just before the Euros. I'm super grateful to be. Associated with like such a big brand like yep. Tatami, really grateful to those guys. And that's it. If you're ever in the area, please come down. You're welcome to join us. Um, just a bunch of guys that love jujitsu, love passing on the passing on the knowledge. Um, and yeah, happy to keep the gym growing. Nah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely coming on leaps and bounds. You guys have got a very good reputation for yourself for 
um, the amount of people you've got coming through, everyone's coming through the ranks that are very high caliber, which is really good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and all have a very good level of discipline to the point of like, <laughs> I think one of, one of your members I've been working with, Toby, I chucked him a workout, which I saw the other day, and I was like, ah, let's see if I can just play, stir the pot a little bit in the group. Like, did you, did you send it in the acid bath, acid bath workout at all? Nah. <laughs> I'll send this to you later. Like, Toby looks like a fighter now, doesn't he? Ah, yeah. Toby that, was always his, that was always his dream to look like a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a good turnaround from uh, curling in the dumbbell, uh, well, in the squat, uh, in the, uh, squat rack and doing curls at all times type of thing. Um, good job to see him doing that. Under that uh, again, he's uh, changed his life around quite a lot. To be he's really disciplined. He comes to every class. He comes to every class. Yeah. He's so, doing really well. And that's what I mean by the feedback as well. Just working with the individuals, obviously, within the club. It all seems to obviously trickle down. And obviously, speaking to yourself today, I can clearly see why. It's that element of saying, right? Well, I think all the guys that here that have worked with you have all done really well. Like, like in terms of physical tra- transformations. Um, they've all done really well. So yeah. that's a good testament to you and your. Just want to do a good job. <laughs> I'm sure you'll see. Get this obviously in terms of teaching. Is if you teach a good job, people will hear about it and they'll just mm-hmm. turn up. And that's that's the principle behind it type of thing. Oh, we did have one final question from Instagram. Very very serious, and this is a really really interesting question. You're a big guy, right? right? Lots of muscles on you. Yeah. How far can you throw Hasbullah? Oh, back to back to Russia. Back to Russia. Back to Russia. Is yeah. that including his dying standing hat or not? Or well, that'll come off midway. Like, <laughs> so the Ukraine that falls off. That's so fun. Oh, that's hilarious, mate. Well, look, thanks very much obviously for being on here today, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, and obviously, thanks for your time and everything. And uh, I'm sure obviously we'll be back down here to interview a few more different people. Maybe we'll get you back on again. All right. Wicked, so, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, Thank, Thank you. you man. Cool.